Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning again, everyone. It is so great to have you with us today. For those who are at the Napic Civic Center in the room today, can you do me a huge favor? Can you throw your hands together and welcome our online church family right now? Let them know how much you love them. Come on. Yeah. Hey, if you're joining us online today, I want you to know that you are our family. We love you. And we're trying to be very intentional with creating an opportunity to connect with you because we, we understand the world we're living in right now and the times that we are that Unfortunately, we're just not able to be together, and so I just want to let you know that although we may be distant, we are connected, and I do mean this from the bottom of my heart, that you are our family, and we love you. And I just want to say thank you, honestly, for taking the time to fill out some prayer requests and let us know how we can pray for you. Actually, it's been our honor uh, this past three weeks to go through a season of 21 days of prayer, and many of you online who I've not even had the chance to meet some of you, you've uh, filled out cards, and we've been praying for you. Why? Because we're your family, and that's what families do. And so I want to let you know, wherever you are today, it's just an honor to have you with us, and uh, it's exciting to get to do life with you. Hey, one more time, all the, all our family here at the Nampic Civic Center, come on, throw your hands together one more time. Welcome to our online church family. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah, we mean it. Hey, as we jump into, before we jump into the message today, I just want to remind you of a couple things. Number one is small groups. Everybody say small groups. My friends, the fall small group semester is around the corner and we cannot wait because it's going to be epic, y'all. I believe it's going to be really honestly one of the best small group semesters we've ever had. Why? It's because those of you who are in the room and joining us online are going to lead a small group. That's right. You're like, wait a minute. Hold up. I didn't sign up for that. Hey, can I tell you one thing? Like life change happens in the context of life giving relationships, everybody. If any of you have attended small groups, they've been a part of changing your life. Can I hear a good amen this morning? Come on, from you, all of you. And so I just need you to understand one thing about small groups. Small groups aren't something we do. It's who we are. It really is. And if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me preach message after message about the importance of relationships, excuse me. And you're going to constantly hear that. Why? It's because it is the lifeblood of what we do. So if you don't like small groups, my friend, you're in the wrong church because we are a church that are full of relationships. This is how we do ministry. This is how we do pastoral care. And I just want you to know we are opening our arms to you in a few weeks as we get ready to kick off our fall small group semester. Don't, wanna, don't want you to miss out on that. But I need you, if you've led a small group in the past, I need you to register your small groups, everybody. Everybody say register. If you've led a small group in the past, I need you to register. In fact, if you've never led a small group and you would like to do so, man, you just missed your opportunity today. Actually, if you want to walk out the room right now, we actually have small group leadership training taking place down at our Discover Room. Uh, you might miss the first 20 minutes or so of it, but they would be glad to welcome you in. But we're doing small group leadership training right now in this service. So if you'd like to know more about that, if you've missed that mark, don't worry. We'll be doing small group leadership training again in the winter season as we kick off the new year. All right. One last thing I want to tell you is we are a message note taking church. It simply means 
means, guys, we love to take notes around here. Um, I don't want to just inspire you on a Sunday. I actually want to put God's word in your hand. The notes give me the opportunity to do that. If you're in the room today, you can go to olc.church. You can swipe down. You can click a button that says message notes. If you're online today, you'll probably already see the uh, button there that says sermon notes. You can click that button as well and follow along. Cool thing about notes, it gives you the opportunity to save it. You can save it as a PDF. You can email it to yourself or email it to a friend or family member who you think that this might be and might encourage. And so anyways, if notes are, uh, if you're, if you're finding any value in the notes at all, can I hear an amen from you at all? Okay. And so I want to encourage you to do that. All right. So we're starting a new series today. It's called It Is Written. And in fact, one of the greatest desires, let me just say this before we get going. The greatest desire that I have as a pastor and honestly, as a friend for you and my family in this room and online my greatest desire is that you experience the presence of a living God. It's not that you come and experience a church, a great service, a great message, great music, great. I mean, aren't you thankful for our worship team, everybody? I mean, come on. They're incredible. Yeah. I mean, all of that is it's amazing in our kids' ministry. I mean, come on, throw your hands together for our kids' ministry, everybody. They are my heroes. All of that is important, don't get me wrong. But our greatest desire out of all those things aren't that you experience a service, but that you experience the presence of God. Why? Because a service, a message, kids' ministry, all of that, as wonderful as they are, they don't change lives. It's the presence of God that changes hearts and lives. There's only one name that is above every name that brings that life change, and his name is Jesus. He's the Son of God, and he is the Savior of the world. And he wants you to come into a relationship with his father, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he paid a high price to enable you and I to have that access by giving his own life for us. And it's only through Jesus that we have the power to go from death to life in every area. And we can't forget that, my friends. We can't forget that. Jesus, the son of God, is the only one who can heal your hurt, heal your pain, free you from your guilt, and free you from your shame, and get you to experience life in the fullness that he wants you to experience on this earth, despite what's happening on the planet. And so because of this, my family and I, God put a dream in our heart a few years back, and my family and I moved from uh, what they call Sweet Home, Alabama, right? And we moved all the way from Alabama to Idaho in January of 2018 with a dream, honestly, to plant a life-giving church. So we launched our church on September the 16th right here at the Civic Center. We were actually not in this room. We were in the auditorium. And uh, with one goal in mind, this is the one goal, really. If you give you the bottom line of what we're all about, our heart and our desire was to introduce you to Jesus. That's it. It's to introduce you to Jesus. So you have a relationship with Jesus. And in fact, the way we kind of say it around here, and you've probably seen it on some of our banners and signs and on our website, but we want you to know God. Everybody say, know God. I don't want you to know church. I mean, I don't want you to know religion. I want you to have an intimate, personal, authentic relationship with the God of heaven who created you in his likeness. And so we're doing everything we can around here to get you to experience the presence of God so that you'll want to have a relationship with God. We want you to know God. But as you come into a relationship, God, you know, that's kind of the beginning of the journey. There are more steps to take. And a part of that process through scripture from cover to cover is that God wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to find freedom. 
And so as you come to know God, we want to help you take steps to finding freedom from what? From your past, from the pain, from the things that you've dealt with. We want to help you do that. Relationships are a vital part of that process through small groups. Why? Because we want you to settle your past so you can see the significance of the future that God has for you. And as you begin to find that freedom, a part of the process of your journey with the Lord is discovering your purpose. There's two great days in everybody's life. The day you were born, number one, but the second day, the greatest, is the day you really discover why you were born. And so that is a journey, by the way. That's not like just go to a class and all of a sudden you walk out of that class and, oh, I figured it all out now. No, I've been serving the Lord for 28 years, been on the planet for 44, and I'm still coming to discover things that God has put in me that God is revealing that is a part of the purpose that he has for me on this planet. So it's a journey. We want to see you know God, find freedom, discover purpose. Why? So that ultimately you can make a difference with your life. In other words, so ultimately you can change your life, your world, so that the world will change as well. And so this is what I've learned about making a difference. My friends, if we're ever going to make a significant difference, if we're going to affect significant change, it's not going to come from a post on social media. Sure is quiet in this church this morning. (laughs) It's going to come from people who passionately pursue the presence of God through the power of of his word. If you want to affect significant change in your life and in this world, it's going to come from people, men and women of God who rise up and who passionately pursue the power and presence of God through the power of his word. And so that's what today in this series really is all about. It's getting you back to the basics, to come back to the, the truth of God's word and how powerful it can be in your life. And because as a pastor, my job is to lead you. It's to, you know, I'm, I'm in the Bible references to pastors as shepherds. And that's just a fancy word to say our job is to kind of lead you to like places of rest and to learn things and to show you things and so that you can experience God's best in your life. And so this past season, I led you for three weeks through a season of 21 days of prayer. And a part of that, I was just really trying to instill in you back to the passion of how to have a conversation with God that you actually enjoy, that can change your life to where prayer is what the path to God's promise, provision for your life And so we walked through that season. And as we were walking through that season, the Lord deposited me and said very clearly, Red, I want you to, in this next season, begin to remind the church, to begin to encourage the church to stand up, to have the faith, to rise up, to get back into my word that has the power to bring the life change that they're looking for and not to be distracted by what's happening in the world today, but regain their focus back to what's most important so that way they can sustain and make a change and make an effective change in our world. And it comes from his word. So what I want to do And listen, I'm human, okay? So like, I'm not the most eloquent person in the world. I will do my best, but I simply wanna try to inspire you today to fall in love with God's word. I wanna get you to a place where you come back to going, you know what? I can't go a day without getting into God's word. Because listen, if prayer of what we just did, if prayer connects us to God, then how does God connect with us? You ready for this? Through his word. God connects with you and I through his word. So here's the question. Are we in his word? Are we allowing him to connect with us? And so what I want to do starting today is I want to teach us how to build our life upon a foundation of God's word. Next week, I'm going to kind of get a little bit more theology and start teaching you more just some 
under, how you can understand the Bible, like how the Bible is laid out and how when you pick up the Bible and you begin to read, you can kind of understand the context and the culture and things that are happening and it'll help you better understand the Bible. In week three, I'm gonna talk about why the Bible can be trusted and then as we close out the series on the fourth week, I wanna really talk to you about how do we hold on to God's truth in a culture of compromise? And so I wanna start today with a verse that comes out of John chapter one, verse one. And this is John, this is the disciple of Jesus. Uh, John, by the way, John loved to call Jesus by a nickname. He called Jesus the word. It's like, you know you're close when you've given Jesus a nickname, right? But the nickname he gave him actually lines up with scripture from beginning to end. And the nickname he gave him was the word. He loved calling Jesus the word. So in the beginning was the word, he's referring to Jesus. And John says, and the word, which is Jesus, he was with God. And Jesus actually was God. In other words, what is this saying? John's saying, hey guys, if you want to come to know God, you've got to know Jesus. Because they're one and the same. Jesus has been there from the beginning. He was, he is, and by the way, he is to come. He is coming again, my friends, really soon. And so John goes on to say in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says this about Jesus. He says, the word, Jesus, became flesh. In other words, Jesus came and he was all things in humanity. He was a man. He was human. And Jesus made his dwelling among us. And what I want you to see today is that while Jesus was on the earth, he was revealing the love of God the Father to mankind. How? Through his life and through his words. Jesus revealed God through not only his actions in his life, but he revealed God through the power of his words. Look at this, John 6, 63. Jesus says this. The words I have spoken to you. Again, this is Jesus. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit. Now time out, this word spirit. It comes from a Greek word called pneuma. Pneuma. In other words, what is pneuma? Pneuma is the Greek's way of saying it's the breath of God. It's the wind of God. So let's put it in context. Jesus says, the words that I'm speaking to you today are the very breath of God. And these words are zoe in the Greek. They are life. They are alive. And I just need all of us to understand that the Bible isn't just some good book, just some historical record of a good man that did good things. My friends, I'm here to tell you that the word of God is alive and it is living. Hebrews 4, 12, Paul says this about the word of God. For the word of God is, everybody say this out loud, the word of God is what? It's living and active. In other words, it is powerful and it's effective. It goes on to say that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing your soul and your spirit, your joints and your marrow. It has the power to do surgery and to do healing in the innermost part of your spirit is what it's saying. It judges the thoughts, the attitudes of your heart. In other words, here's my, here's my Spanglish. You ready? In other words, it gets all up in your business. This is what it's saying. Why? Because the Bible is alive. The Bible is the very breath of God. And because of that breath, that breath is alive. It has the power to breathe life into the areas in your life, in your family, in your marriage that are dying. And he has the power to bring it back to life. This is the resurrection power of Christ in the miracle that is salvation through God's word. That is a great place to say amen, everybody. So again, my hope today, my hope and my prayer is that God would open the eyes of your heart today to see a couple of things. But number one, is to see that the Bible is alive, everybody. 
The Bible is alive. I want to see you fall in love with God's word. Why? Because I don't want to see you get sucked into the vortex that is the chaos, that is the confusion, that is the division that exists in this world today. I want to see you thriving. I want to see you flourishing. I want to see you blessing. I am enjoying my life despite the chaos that's around me. This is why I need you to come to be passionately pursuing the presence of God through his word, everybody. Pastorette. What in the world? Come on, man. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. This may explain it to you a little bit better. This is what I want for you. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Another translation says, oh, the joys. Oh, the joys of the ones who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers on Facebook and social media and TikTok who get sucked into the vortex of the division in this world who think they're making a difference, but they're not. They're adding to the pain. No, blessed is the one who doesn't get involved in all that junk. No, blessed is the one whose delight is in what? On Facebook? No. On social media? No. Blessed is the one who delights, who has a passion, who cannot wait to get into God's word, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Get this. Verse gets even better. Blessed is the one who also meditates on his law. The person who is passionately pursuing his word day and night, night and day. I saw a post yesterday on social media that said, just imagine, imagine for a moment what your life would look like if you spent as much time as you do on social, if you spent that same amount of time with Jesus. What would it look like? My friends, it would look like this. Oh, the joys of those who meditate on his word day and night, night and day. Look at this. That person, that son, that daughter, you and me, we're like a tree. We're immovable, man. Our foundation is firm. And no matter the chaos, we ain't going nowhere. Why? Because we're planted. How? By streams of water. We are planted with a source of life running through our spirit, which by the way, when that happens, we yield our fruit in season. We make a difference. We change our life and we change the world and our leaves, we don't wither. Why? Because whatever we do as sons of God, as daughters of God, those who passionately pursue the presence of God through his word, whatever we do prospers. Oh, some of y'all are just starting to kind of get it. I'm listening, my friends. I want your life to prosper. I want you to be blessed. I want you to go, oh, all the joys of my life. And if you're planted in God's word, then this is what I need you to see through this verse is that you have the source of life infiltrating your spirit, pouring into your soul, transforming your life, doing a miracle that allows you to enjoy your relationship with God and love him. And that allows you to love people despite how crazy they can be sometimes. And, and it allows you to be able to make a difference in this life and in this world. My hope, my friends, is to inspire you again to fall in love with God's word. It's to get you to a place where you realize that God's word is alive. So here's the question. How does the Bible come to life? Because Pastor Brad, if I'm being honest, can I just be truthful? I mean, we do life together, right? Uh, like when I read the Bible, I don't get nothing from it. Maybe that's you today. I get it. I've been there. And so if you're asking that question, it's like, hey, I've tried, but like I read it. It's kind of difficult to understand. I'm trying to get something from it, but like, I, it's just not setting with me. I don't, I don't understand. Well, I'm going to teach you a few ways how the Bible can come to life 
today. And then I want to teach you this on the upfront part, but then on the end, I want to give you some practical ways on how you can live it out. Okay. So um, number one, how does the Bible come alive? Write this down in your notes if you're taking notes today. I just need you to know that faith, faith is what activates the word of God. Faith brings the Bible to life in you. I don't know if you've ever used this phenomenal device that's located in every house or apartment and even in this room today, but just this phenomenal like invention called the light switch. Has anybody ever used that? Like we all know that there's power on the other side of the wall running to whatever we want to turn on or off, right? We all know that, but the reality is the power doesn't get to the light unless we do what? Unless we flip the switch. Faith is the switch that connects us to the word, to the power of God. Faith is what activates the word of God. It's what brings the word of God to life. Let me show it to you. Hebrews 4, verse 2. This is Paul. Paul is, is talking to some people. He's saying, hey guys, listen, we've also have had the gospel preached to us. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, there was a time when I heard God's word just like you and just like the other people. But look at this. But the message that they heard, it was the same message that I heard, in fact, at the same time, but it was of no value to them. Like it didn't resonate with them. Like when they read it, it didn't do anything for them. Why? Here's the reason. Because those who heard, they didn't combine it with their faith. Those who heard the message didn't combine it with their faith. It's saying, guys, if you're trying to read the Bible, but you don't mix it and combine it with your faith in God, then the Bible will never come to life. But if when you read God's word, you combine it with faith, my friends, the Bible will activate and come alive in your life and have the power to transform you in everything in your life. So here's the question. How do we activate our faith? If faith activates the word of God, makes it come alive, then how do I activate my faith? Great question. Write this down. Revelation activates faith. Revelation activates faith. What is revelation? Revelation's that moment, it's like, oh, I see it now. Like, oh my goodness, I didn't see it before, but I actually see it now. And so for an example, this might be for some of you in the room today, maybe you've read the Bible and you've read the same verse over and over again. Let me just say like, the joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And so you've read, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not feeling much joy right now when the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't get it, God, boom, right? But one day after reading it over and over and over again, all of a sudden something happens, what happens? All of a sudden, you know what? Oh my goodness. You know what? The joy, the joy of the Lord, the joy of what God's doing in me, despite what's happening around me, woo, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what's happened? The difference is I went from just reading it to God revealing it to me. I've had a revelation and that revelation of the truth going, oh my gosh, like his joy is my strength. All of a sudden it activates the faith and I begin to operate in that and all of a sudden now God begins to do that miracle work on the inside of me. I think it's important for you to know that in the Greek, your Old Testament was written in Hebrew, your New Testament was written in Greek. And so in the Greek, which is our New Testament, there's actually two words for the word word. In other words, there's two words to describe the one word, word. Y'all, I think that is hilarious, okay? Really. Um, and so the first word is logos. I call it logos. Some people call it logos or logos. However you want to pronounce it. At the end of the day, what it means is written. Written. And this is where many of us live. It's like many of us live in the place where the Bible is just, it's just words on a page, right? It's just ink on paper. 
In fact, this can also apply to coming to church. It's like, oh, I'm just, you're hearing it, but you're not really hearing it. In other words, what's happening is some of you today, you're going, to Pastor Rhett, man, this is the greatest message I've ever heard. Thank you so much. And uh, by the way, we're going to be best friends if that's you today. I'm just saying. Uh, and you're going to be like, man, this is the greatest message ever. I can't wait for next week. It's going to be awesome. But then there's going to be some of you in this room, and you mean no offense by it, but you're going to be like, ah, I mean, uh, it's good. I didn't really get anything next out of it. I mean, but okay, whatever. Right? So here's the question. What's the difference? How does one person get something out of it, but the other person doesn't? You ready for it? Everybody's hearing it, but not everybody is getting the second word, which is rhema. Rhema. It's the revealed word of God. It's the, oh my goodness, woo, I see it. So here's the question. I think every single one of us, we want this. So the question is, but How? How do I get a rhema word? How do I get to the place where when I'm reading God's word, it's revealed to me and it comes to life in me? Well, I'm gonna tell you how, but before I do, I wanna show you a story in scripture. It's gonna come out of Luke chapter one, verse 34 through 38. Before I read it though, let me set the story. Uh, many of you have probably heard this story around Christmas time because it's about a young girl, a teenage girl named Mary. And Mary was engaged to uh, a man named Joseph. And one night, an angel of the Lord, Gabriel, showed up to Mary in her room and it's a big epic moment. You know, like lights shining bright. She's like, what is happening right now? She's afraid. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I've got some good news. You're blessed and you're highly favored and you're ready for this. Mary, you're gonna be pregnant. And guess what? The baby is gonna be God's son. And I don't know about you ladies, but I'm just saying like, if that happened to you, like you're probably not gonna like, woohoo, okay. And I'm like, what? Look at her response. I love it. This is humanity. I find this in the Bible. How will this be? Like, what? Are you kidding? Like, how in the world? How will this be? So check this out. She heard the words of God through the servant, the angel Gabriel, but she didn't get it. It didn't sink in. That's many of us, isn't it? We read our Bibles. We go to church. We're like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, Mary can relate. So Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Like what you're saying is impossible. Can't happen. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma is the word, the breath of God will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Goes on to say, so the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Now time out for a moment. In this next moment, what I need you to see is she goes from this lack of understanding to this, oh my gosh, I have this revelation. Like I actually see it now, it's coming to life. Okay, I get it. So look at this. When the angel said, look at the rest of the verse, Gabriel said, for no rhema word, no revealed word, no revelation from God will ever fail. In other words, my friends, when the Bible comes alive in your spirit, all of a sudden you begin to realize that his word, his promise will never fail. You can take it to the bank. If he said it, it's going to come to pass. And for her, she's like, "Woo! oh, well, in that case, look at the revelation. In that case, man, I'm the Lord's servant. <laughs> Mary answered, May your rhema word, may your revealed word from God to me be fulfilled. And at that moment is when she became pregnant with Jesus. It's when it became revealed into her spirit that nothing is impossible with God. So how does the Bible come alive? Well, faith activates his word. How does faith come alive? Well, faith, revelation 
It's what activates our faith. So then that begs the question, well, how do we activate revelation? See where I'm going here today? We activate revelation through one word, meditation. Meditation activates revelation. And by the way, when I'm saying meditation, I'm not talking about like crossing your legs. No, that's not what I'm saying, okay? In fact, that's not what the Bible teaches. We're talking about this rumination, this mindset of going over and over and over, like the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, I find strength in the fact that God is my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That is meditating on something. And so God's saying, look at this, Joshua, the Bible says, Joshua 1.8, look at this. Guys, I want you to keep this book of the law. I want you to keep God's word always where? On your lips. And I want you to meditate. Time out for a second. Everybody say meditate. The word here, okay, again, the Bible in the Old Testament was written in a language called the Hebrew, right? So there's a Hebrew word here, okay? And the Hebrew word that is used for this word meditate actually would be like the English translation of ruminate, okay? Now, I know I've taught you this before, but I don't have a better example. So it's kind of gross, but just go with me. If you can give me a better example, tell me, I'll use it, okay? But for now, so what is ruminate? Um, Have you ever, come on, we're in Idaho. How many of you ever seen a cow chewing cud? Anybody? Come on, right? Anybody know what that even means? Okay, so a cow chewing cud goes something like this. They're eating their food, they swallow it, and then they throw it right back up. And then they eat it again. Then they swallow it, and then they throw it back up, and they eat it again. It's absolutely disgusting, but don't get mad at me. That's the word, okay? (laughs) So God is saying that if you'll keep his word in front of you and meditate and ruminate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. God's saying, if you'll take my word to that kind of level in your life, then look at the promise, look at the blessing, look at it. Then you will be prosperous and you will be successful. My friends, my greatest hope for you is that your life can be prosperous and successful. I need you to understand something. Well, Pastor Red, are we some kind of name it and claim it, like word of faith, like prosperity gospel? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. You need, if you see Americanized prosperity and successfulness when you read this, you are missing the point, my friend. But I do need you to understand something. My friends, God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. My friends, because God has blessed you and because you've given generous to this church, there are an underground men and women of God in Afghanistan right now and in Syria that you support. Let me share this with you. If you did not know this, in Syria right now, which is right next to Israel, in Syria is the fastest growing church on the planet. More Muslims are giving their heart to Jesus Christ in the nation of Syria than any other nation. How? Because there are men and women of God who have decided that I will become a martyr for Christ. Christ died for me and I'll die for him and I'll go share the love of Jesus with these Muslims and see their lives transformed by the power of the gospel and begin to find freedom and healing from hurt and pain. How can they do that? Because there's men and women in America who have been prosperous and successful, blessed with their resources, that give to a church and an organization who gives and supports the men and women on the ground there to support the local church and those men and women and to see the gospel go forth in their life. It's happening in Syria right now because of your generosity and it's happening in Afghanistan right now because of your generosity. The church is growing like wildfire there. They don't have any other hope, my friends. They have one thing. They are living or dying every day. 
They've experienced this hurt, this pain, this terror from fear of a regime. And then they experience the love of God, the transforming power of God. God does a miracle in their life. They are transformed and they don't care. They don't even know how they're going to eat today. They don't know how they're going to provide today. They're on the run and they are in the hills right now. But because of your provision and because of men and women who have been prosperous and successful and been blessed and understand that I'm not blessed to bless me. Give me, give me. My name is Jimmy, but I've been blessed to be a blessing to those, to support those who are advancing the good news of Jesus Christ in some of the most hardest reached places on the planet. I'm saying, my friends, this is why God wants you to be prosperous. That's a whole nother message, but I've got to share that with you. You need to understand that. My friends... God wants to bless you. And it happens when you take his word to another level in your life. You'll experience his power, his promise, and his presence. How? Through his word when it comes alive. When you activate it by faith. When it becomes revealed through meditation. I want to show you what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24. And this comes out of the MSG version. No, I'm just kidding. This, uh, by the way, if you're reading the Bible and you ever see MSG, that is not the Chinese food you're going to have for lunch today. Okay. This is a paraphrased version of the Bible called the message. And that's just a shorter way to put it on a screen. Okay. So the paraphrase says, these words I speak to you, this is Jesus. They're not incidental additions to your life. They're home. They're not just homeowner improvements to your standards of living. No, 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 no. They are foundational words. They're words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, in other words, if you work God's word into your life in a place where you enjoy it and you're passionate about it, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. My hope today and throughout this series is to get you to a place where you are learning how to build your life, your marriage, your home, your finances, your health, your emotions on the solid rock that is God's word, that is immovable, that is alive, that will never fail you, that will keep you calm in the midst of the chaos, no matter what the wind and the storm and the waves are around us right now in America or around the world, because our life is built on unsinking sand we are built on the rock that is Christ Jesus we will not be moved my friends why does God want your life to be built on a rock through his word because when you're living in this life and all hell is breaking loose around you and your friends and your family and your co-workers all of a sudden are like bro like seriously are you not watching the news are you not seeing what's happening in the world today how in the world do you have so much peace and you're gonna be man I, I, I'm just telling you it's God's word it's transforming it's powerful it's alive I'm just sharing you my story but it is God in me it is not me my friend it is God God wants to do this work in you so that you can make a difference in the world so that people can see Christ in you, through you, in the midst of the chaos, they see peace. They see this immovableness. They see like, man, and trust me, they want it. They need it, and they just need us to share it. Why do I want you in God's word? Not just so you're blessed and prosperous. I want you in God's word so you can bless the people around you. So that you can be the light of the world, that you can be the salt of the earth that Jesus Christ talked about. That you can add God-like flavors to the world. The world needs it. The world needs it. That's a great place to say amen, everybody. It's time that we get beyond just coming to church and going through the motions. 
It's time that we get into the presence of God. It's time that we rise up as men and women of God and understand that prayer, it has to be a part of our life. I want to have a conversation with God, but not only that, I want to hear from God. I want him to connect with me, to give me the power to live this thing out in every area of my life. And it's only going to happen through his word. So my hope is you're saying, Pastor Red, I'm in, man. Like, what do I need to do? How do I build my life on this kind of rock? Well, I'm going to give you very practical things today. I'm going to give you two practical things. One of them is going to have a few subpoints. Number one, guys, we got to get to the place where we accept God's word as it, as it is in its authority. We must accept its authority. In other words, what am I saying? I'm saying, guys, we've got to get to the place where we answer the question on our own. Is this just a good book? like full of some good ideas and like some maybe leadership lessons we can learn from like a really nice man who did some really good things, but he really wasn't the son of God. Like, is this what this is? Or is the Bible, the infallible, perfect, holy word of God, the breath of God in word form? That's the question we got to answer. And I'm just saying, some of you probably, like me at one point, you're like, well, Pastor Red, I mean, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, like, I'd like to accept its authority, but let's be honest, like, it is really difficult to understand. And I get it, man. If that's you, I get it. But I would just like to ask you this question. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that you and I, that we don't understand, but yet we still accept. For instance, how about this one? Air. I don't know about you. But I'm not quite sure how air works. But it doesn't stop me from breathing. I still accept the fact that I need oxygen, everybody. Can I get a good amen, somebody? So we're trusting the fact that when I go, that it sustains my life. It's a miracle. It's something that we trust, but we don't understand. And so I'm just saying, guys, listen, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm not a perfect dad. I've got issues. I'm learning. I'm growing just like you. But as a dad or as a father who has a 13-year-old son, I don't always expect Max, who happens to be sitting on the front row this morning, I don't always expect him to understand every decision that I make as a dad. But I do expect him to trust and lean into my authority. Why? Because I have his best interest at heart. Why? Because I'm his dad and he's my son and I love him and I'm for him and I would give my life for him if I had to. I would give everything I have. I have his best interest at heart. So because of that, I just expect him to trust me and not always understand things that I'm trying to lead and direct him in. Just trying to teach you how to build your life on God's word. My friends, it starts and we accept its authority despite the fact that we don't understand let me show you a verse that teaches this. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. Paul said this, he says, guys, we also thank God continually because when you received God's word, time out. Let's take a look at this word received. It's very important. This comes from a Greek word called paralambano. The word actually means something a little bit more than receive. It means to welcome as a stranger into your life. So let's read it in the context of what he's really saying here. He's saying, guys, we also thank God continually because when you had no reason to trust God's word, when you welcomed it into your life as a stranger, the word of God, which you heard from me, look at the rest of the verse, you accepted it. You accepted it. Not as some words of men, no, 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 but actually as it is, the word of God, which is at work in you, who believe. 
In other words, what is he saying? He's saying the reason that God's word is working in your life is because you've received it and you've accepted its authority as it is the very breath of God that is alive. Again, just trying to teach you how to build your life upon the rock of God's word that will never fail you. It happens when we begin to accept its authority, number two, but we also must apply its truth. It's one thing to say, I accept it. It's a whole other thing to live it out, isn't it? So how do we do that? Very simple. You've heard me say this before. Here's the first one, by listening. By listening to God's word. In other words, you and I need to continually put ourselves in a position to where we consistently hear God's word. And there are no excuses in this day and age with how much digital media there is out there with podcasts and church access and incredible leaders in churches across the planet of how we can get God's word in our heart. But I will tell you this, Jesus' custom, you can read it, Jesus' custom is that he was in church every Sunday. Why? Because it was his custom to be able to go into a place where he could hear God's word. Jesus always demonstrated what he expected from us. Okay? And so all I'm saying is we've got to put, our position, put ourselves into a position where we hear from God's word. This is why it's important. Look at Romans 10, 17. So then faith, how's it come? It comes by hearing And hearing comes by putting yourself in a position to hear the word of God. Hearing God's word activates faith and our faith is what activates God's word. And so I'm just saying, as for me and my house, we will not only serve the Lord, but we will permit it, everything being able to do this by the Lord's will. Every time we can, we will be at church on Sunday morning. Why? Because we wanna position ourselves for hearing God's word. Well, Rhett, you're the pastor of the church. You're supposed to do that. I've been serving the Lord 28 years of my entire life and I could probably count on one hand how many Sundays I've missed. It's not because I'm trying to be religious. It's because I am desperate to hear God's word. I am desperate for the word of God to come alive in my life. I am desperate for the transforming power. I'm desperate to build my life and my house on the immovable rock that is Christ Jesus and his word. So why is listening so important? Because when you're in an environment where you hear God's word, what happens? Your faith begins to grow. The word of God begins to come alive and your life is transformed by the power and the presence of what? Of his presence, yes, and his word. Guys, if the only time you're coming to, if the only time that you're hearing God's word is on a Sunday, you are a malnourished Christian. And I'm not trying to be ugly, I promise. But think about it for a second. If you were to come up and tell me, take Jesus out of it for a second, but if you were to come up and tell me that, hey, I got this really great idea. I'm only gonna eat one meal out of seven days of the week and that's it. I'm gonna look at you and go, you are crazy. How in the world do you think you're gonna sustain life? How in the world do you think you're gonna have strength? Your body is designed to have certain nutrients and if you go a certain amount of time without that, it's gonna affect you, it's gonna affect your mind, it's gonna affect your health, it's gonna affect your family, it's gonna affect your job. Did you see where I'm going with this? Over a meal. We would think you are foolish to do that in America for a meal. And so I'm just saying, guys, Sunday has gotta be more than a Sunday experience. You've got to get God's word into your life and you've got to put yourself in a position to hear it on a consistent basis. But not only do you need to listen to God's word, I need you also to read God's word. And you knew that was coming, didn't you? Reading God's word. I need you to think of God's word like a meal. Okay, why? Well, because Jesus did. Matthew 4, 4, look at this. He said, it is written, what? That man shall not live on bread alone, 
But then he compares it. He says, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we got to look at God's word like a meal. So how do we do it? Real practical. Very, extremely practical, okay? How do we do it? Guys, I need you to get one of these ancient manuscripts called a paper Bible. Look at that. Look at the pages. Oh, my goodness. Is that real? Wow. Oh, got a paper cut. Ouch. Right? Guys, I... Science has proven, I don't know how it works, but they're, really, they're all smarter than we are, right? Because they're Harvard and Yale people. But they've proven that when you read something in paper form, you have a more, you're much more able to remember and retain than digital form. And now I'm thankful for digital, but here's the thing. Digital Bibles are great, but everybody has a digital Bible. But if you get a paper Bible, guess what? That's not everybody else's Bible. That's your Bible. This is your word. This is your word from God for your life, for your family. And by the way, it's okay to mark in it. I mean, you'll look, man, I got underlines and scribbles and scratches and stars. I mean, like, do it. Like, some of you think, man, I'm going to go to hell if I mark up my Bible. No, you won't. You'll grow. And you'll become the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. So not only get a paper Bible, but I need you to set aside a time. What is on your calendar is what you value. My friends, it is so practical. We know we should be doing it, but we're not. Make the time to do it. And even if it's just... 30 seconds, open up the YouVersion Bible app, read the Bible verse of the day, at least do something. Just don't go without getting a little nibble on God's word. When you honor God, he'll honor you. So have a plan also, have a plan, set aside time, have a plan. One of the best plans that I love and I enjoy when I'm reading the Bible is the one-year Bible. Um, And that's basically where if you take, it's so cool. They have it on the YouVersion Bible app too. It's You can read three to four chapters in a day, and on those three to four chapters for that day, if you'll do that consistently over time, 365 days, you'll have read the entire Bible. It becomes a little devotional. In fact, like I'm so committed to this that I'm actually working really hard. There's a church in Baton Rouge who uh, is kind of like a father figure to me. His name is Pastor Larry Stockstill. He pastors uh, Bethany Prayer Center. And uh, he's got a devotional that I love that goes into this one-year Bible. And they've given us permission. I haven't implemented it yet, okay? But hopefully by the end of this series, we will have the one-year Bible with a devotional on our, on our app, or not our app, but excuse me, our website. And then you'll be able to access that. But have a plan. Find a plan. Just stick to it. Here's the other one. Don't just read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. In other words, you don't read the Bible just to like mark it off a checklist. No, you read the Bible to get to know the God of the Bible. But not only are you reading it to get to know him, like give God permission to like speak to you. In other words, invite God, like when you're right before you read it, or even now you're reading it, right? The joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I'm asking you, Lord, will you speak to me on that? Because I don't want to miss what you're trying to say. Will you just show me what it is you're trying to show me in this verse? I'm telling you, when you begin to approach God that way, in his presence, in his word, things begin to change. And God begins to connect with you. You begin to hear his voice clearly. And all of a sudden, no matter what's happening around you, all of us is like, hey, it may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by God. Because I can see something from a different perspective that I couldn't see before that had to be shown to me through the revelation through God's word coming alive. Y'all getting anything out of this today? Is this helping you? I know it's extremely practical. David said this, Psalm 119.11, then we'll get ready to close here. I have hidden your word in my heart. He's saying, God, I've accepted your authority and I've applied his truth. Why? So that I might not sin against you, God. David's simply saying, guys, the key to the relationship with God is having his word in your life because it's his word that exposes sin. 
And God loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he loves you too much to allow you to continue to stay there in that mess. And he wants to gently lean you, lead you and guide you away from those things. And he does it how? By speaking to you how? Through his word. And he's always got good in store for you on this other side, which we've talked about. Prosperity and successfulness and blessing and joy. And so sin is a deterrent. And it keeps us from experiencing all that God has. And so I'm just saying, when you read God's word, just understand that give him permission to point out some things to allow you to grow. And here's the last one. And that is simply, we, guys, we just got to not only accept its authority, we got to apply its truth, but we got to get to the point where we just do what it says. We do what it says. James 1.22, written by what is believed to be Jesus's brother, James. Can I just tell you one thing? Like, if your own brother believes that you're the son of God, you might just be the son of God, okay? Can I just say that? Like, it takes a lot to convince your brother or a sibling, right? And so James, the brother of Jesus, chapter 1, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. You just can't come to church, check a box and say, all right, I got it. I'm gonna go another six days and not eat a thing and then I'll come back next Sunday. No, 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 don't deceive yourself. Live this thing out, man. Just do what it says. Do what it says. So how do we do it? I'm going to tell you how I do it. And this is the simplest, best way I can tell you. You need to find a verse for every situation in your life and you need to apply it to your life. For me, there was a season where I was newly married at 29 years old to the hottest woman on the planet. Sorry, fella, she's taken. She's on the front row. Her name is Linda. We were married three months, had a great paying job. It was amazing. We had everything you think you would want in America, right? But then all of a sudden, boss flies in on his private jet, closes the company down. He owes me about back pay of a month of about four or $5,000, says it's in the mail, never receive it, then go on unemployment. I'm newly married, three months in. Find myself then living with my in-laws. How many, you know, how many fathers would love to give their daughter away to a guy who all of a sudden three months into their marriage is already living back in their house? (laughs) Son-in-law right here, baby. Hey, dad. So obviously the rest is history, as they say, God worked it out, but how? Well, I found a verse for that situation. And in fact, this verse has become a verse that kind of helps me through every situation. I'll give it to you. It's not on the screen. Proverbs chapter three. Verse five through six, Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six. What does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him. Seek him first. And what will happen? He'll direct your path. So this is what that looked like. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding, acknowledge your ways and submit to you. God, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of my path. Okay, yeah, Lord, I'm not seeing it right now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your understanding in all your ways and all of him. You shall direct your path. Okay, waiting on you, Lord. Trust. Trust. Trust in who? Trust in God. God is a little bit bigger than you, Rhett. He's a little bit bigger than your situation because he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he, by the way, he created you from dirt and breathed his breath in your lungs and gave you life. So I need you to trust in him. I don't need you to trust in that boss or that job or who, what you thought was your provision. I don't need you to trust in anything else. I just simply need you to come to my arms and trust me as a loving father that has your back. And as you're trusting me, I need you to lean not on what you see. I need you to lean not on the chaos. I need you to lean not on the confusion that's going on in your mind right now, right? Because I can see it. 
In your mind right now, you're looking at what's happening. You're thinking, how are you going to provide for your wife? I've got her. She's my daughter. I love her a little bit more than you. I know you love her, but I've got her. Don't worry. Don't lean on it. But here's what I need you to do, Red. I just need you to acknowledge me. I need you to invite me into the process. I need you to submit to me. And as you're trusting and as you're submitting to me, I need you to take steps because, Red, I'm not going to take the step for you. You knock on the doors. You get out there. You hit the streets and you do your best to find a job. And what I'm going to do, as you do that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to direct your path to a better paying job that you never had that's going to open up so many other doors that you can't even imagine right now. So just trust me, Red. Trust me. I'm your God. Lean on your own. Not on what you see, but lean on me and bring me into the process and I've got your back. That is what began to happen in my life and I began to do that. Why? Because I began to read something. I began to meditate on it. I began to ruminate on it. It activated my revelation. That revelation activated my faith and my faith in God and his word all of a sudden brought God's word to life and I experienced his promise and his blessings because of it. And all I'm trying to get you to understand today is how do you do this? Find a verse, go on Google, depression. Bible verse, depression. In the 2,500 verses it pulls up that speak life into you, begin to read those verses over and over, meditate over and over. And I'm telling you, something powerful will happen. A transformation, a miracle will begin to take place and your life will be changed and transformed. And then you'll be able to walk in that transformation power and change the world. How? Because people are going to look at you and go, wow, what is different about you? It's God's word. It's God's power. It's God's presence. It's God's joy. It's God. It's God, and this is my hope for you. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll be here just another few minutes. Lord, my prayer is today that your word comes alive on the inside of people's hearts. That every person that's watching online or in this room would have a renewed perspective of that your word is alive. It's alive, and we just need to activate our faith through revelation and meditation that ultimately allows that word to come alive in us. God, May we walk out of here, not just with inspiration, but just with some practical truths of how we can apply it. Give us the strength to take the steps, even a small little step as a one Bible verse a day. May we do that. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, for those of you who are in the room or maybe joining us online, I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to come into a relationship with God. God is not far, God is not distant. He loves you, he's not mad at you. Man, I'm telling you, he's given his best for you. He's not here to take anything away from you. He's here to add value to your life. And he's done that through Jesus. The Bible teaches us that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that whoever believes in him would not perish or die, but have eternal life. My friends, there is more to life than this life. There is heaven and there is hell. And my friend, God doesn't want you to spend eternity separated from him in a place called hell. He wants you to be with him in heaven. And he paid the price for you to experience that through his love, through his son, Jesus, who paid for your sin, my sin, to heal us from our guilt, our shame, and our pain. And he wants to do the same for you today. So if you want to come into a relationship and simply receive something that's already been done, if you want to receive that, I would be honored to pray with you today. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But if you're in the room today or you're online, could I encourage you to be so bold to say, Pastor Rhett, that's me. I need to come into a relationship with God today. Would you be so bold to raise your hand all across this room and let me know who I'm speaking to right now in this moment? Come on. God bless you, sir. Greatest decision of your life, my friend. Anybody else? Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Could I encourage everybody just to say a prayer like this and just mean it from your heart? God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe that he died 
to pay for my sin, to bring me into a relationship with you. And today, I accept that truth. I give you my life. I give you everything. I pray this, forgive me. Come live on the inside of me. Change me by your power and your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, throw your hands together and welcome those home who said that prayer today. Come on, let them know how much you love them.